a need and we saw something that we thought was an evil and something that people should be aware of is happening in their communities and happening around them and we could and so we decided to try to do something about it um, and I think that's kind of the message for everyone like a lot of times you know people will start foundations or causes that because it has a personal connection to them but at the end of the day you don't have to necessarily have been sexually abused or know somebody who had an experience um, with sexual violence to care about the issue and really want to create change. Welcome to the Legacy Project. My name is Jim Koppel. I'm the president of the Servant Forge Foundation. We're an organization committed to leadership development with a specific focus on service. We interview people on this podcast about the legacies they have inherited and discuss the legacy they want to create. Our legacies are about core values and beliefs that we have inherited from a previous generation and are about to pass them on to the next generation. Become part of this project of being intentional about legacy. What is the legacy you choose to create? This is Jim Koppel with The Legacy Project, and today we're talking with Casey Maloof with the Maloof Foundation and Maloof Company. And we'll get into that a little bit more as we get into this podcast, but we're glad you're joining us, and I think you'll find this to be a fascinating conversation. Casey, are you from Utah? Yes, I'm from Utah. I grew up in Davis County area, Leighton, Utah, and um, came up to Utah State for college in, in Logan and have stayed here since then. Well, is that where you met your husband? Yes. Yep. Yeah. We met as students at Utah State. Mm -hmm. So, what kind of family did you come from? My parents um, were first-generation college graduates. Both of them um, graduated from high school. My, my mom was a nurse. My dad um, worked as an insurance adjuster, and um, I had two sisters, so didn't ever get to have the experience of having brothers. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would say just a pretty normal upbringing. Nothing, yeah. I didn't have anything super traumatic, which I really credit my my parents for I think with the work I do now just realizing how many people do have that it's mm -hmm. it's it's um, rare to be able to say that so. Yeah. so who are some of the major influences in your life as you were growing up um, I mean obviously my parents influenced me a lot um, I think that's always the case um, mm -hmm. whether <laughs> for better or for worse but my parents for better for sure um, I had you know, some grandparents that I admired and loved that were hard workers and didn't didn't have a lot growing up, and so that was always instilled into me. Um, they influenced me a lot. I had um, some, I, I used to sing a lot as a singer, so I had some vocal coaches and some teachers that um, encouraged me and helped me. That's kind of how I, f I feel like I first came to feel that sense of self-worth. Uh, was through um, doing that and having teachers to encourage me who told me I was good and capable um, that influenced me a lot um, I grew up a member of the LDS or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and had some amazing teachers and leaders there that influenced me as well mm -hmm. what were those influences what were some of the things that stand out that shaped who you are today that you would consider a legacy well, I think I kind of hit on one of them, but just I think and something I've taken with me is just having somebody, a coach or a teacher or somebody believe in you um, and helping you feel like you're good at something can really be such a change in like a child or, or a person's life. Um, 
I saw that in the life of my own son too. He was struggling a little bit, third, fourth, fifth grade, kind of trying to figure out his friends and where he stood. And he just did not have self-esteem. He just didn't like himself. He didn't, he wasn't really good at anything. He was very smart, but as far as sports and stuff, he never really excelled. But um, we got him into weightlifting, which sounds like a strange sport for a 10, 11, 12 year old boy, but he got into it and had a coach that literally we found out later, he was like the first few months I worked with him, nobody would stand by him because he was dropping weights everywhere. And he was just like, didn't know what he was doing. But um, after practicing for months and months and this coach who just encouraged him and believed in him, um, he went on to compete in a nationals um, where, and there's hundreds of kids that go there and he ended up taking first place. It was out of two people but he still took first place. And just that one thing changed everything for him where he was like, oh, like I'm good at something. And then he went on to compete in other sports and really like build that belief in himself. So, you know, I had people in my life that did that for me. My parents did that a lot. I think it's just so important for kids and for people who are coming up in the world to feel like they have a place, that they have somebody that believes in them, that they are good at something. So something that we've tried to do too is push our kids to excel at something we don't care what it is but just feel like they're good at something so they can have that intrinsic self-esteem as, as kind of part of who they are was music that for you yeah definitely yeah. yeah i kind of have just and i didn't work at it as hard as i should have but a natural gift and a, and a nice singing voice so i sang a lot um eventually learned to play the guitar and sang and played and and that that helped me feel like I had a place to belong and like I was good at something. And that goes, of course, goes on to fuel everything you do in your future. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about five resiliencies that protect people, young people particularly, from substance use, teenage pregnancy, youth violence. Uh, we talk about hope, a child has a reason to get up in the morning. The second is acquired skills, something that they can celebrate, that people recognize and validate. The third is significant adults in the life of a child and that uh, somebody that they can talk to, somebody they can engage. The other is locus of control, where they have a voice, where they can participate in decision-making, and they're not just constantly being dictated to. And the last is altruism, giving something back. Um, we're going to get to this in a few moments, but uh, you're, you, you, Lee, you're the chairman of a board of a major foundation working on child protection and human trafficking. What is it that's driven you to altruism, giving something back? You know, I think when we go back to talk about how I was raised and part of that culture, it really was just always a culture of service. And my parents were really good at that. I think that was kind of the beginnings of it. And then I think, you know, growing up middle class, maybe lower middle class, didn't have a lot of extra money or anything like that. But then, you know, when I met my husband and we created our company and we were doing well, feeling like we were at a point where we could give back, we really felt like that was part of the culture that we wanted to have in our family that we wanted to have in our business and we just decided that we had the ability to do it financially and we were going to do it whatever that looked like it was cool too because our our product our company is a product company we make bedding products so it really was just kind of this really easy inroad to finding out where we could help because it just started with like oh this box is dented like who can we give this set of sheets to you know we can't sell it but we could definitely give it away or something like that so that's kind of how it started and then just grew from there let me push you on that just a minute that that instinct to want to give or to take a situation a, a damaged product that you think somebody could still use this what what do you think fueled that 
I don't, I mean. Was it your faith? I I think partially, yeah. I think mm-hmm. just at the core of it, just I, I think that Sam and I, we just care about people. Mm-hmm. We see inequalities in the world and know that the things that we've been given are not because of anything that we really did to qualify for them. You know, mm-hmm. um, we, it was luck, it was hard work, it was all those things. But at the end of the day, we know a lot of people who worked hard and had a little bit of luck and a little bit of bad luck and aren't in the position that we are. So at the end of the day, we're all the same. And I just think that sometimes people go through difficult situations and things are out of their control. And I think at the end of the day, like we just felt compassion for them mm-hmm. and stemming from faith, definitely, but also just, I don't know, I think a recognition of the blessings that we have and how that's that's not a right, and just wanting to provide whatever we can for others. So, We're talking to Casey Maloof with the Maloof Foundation and Maloof Company. Uh, where did you meet Sam? So we, um, it's funny actually, um, Sam ended up being roommates with my cousin, and I hadn't seen my cousin for a while. We, I ran into him on campus, and I was like, hey, I have a roommate that I think that you'd like. And he's like, I have a roommate I think that you would like. And so anyways, we arranged to get together. Um, and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. But so I met him and um, we were friends for a while, for a long time first. And yeah, he ended up being right. He did have a friend I wanted to meet. But the cool thing is now is my cousin um, actually works for us at Maloof Companies and is still a good friend to this day. And it's kind of funny how how that's, that's happened, mm-hmm. so. So what did you study in college? I actually studied music therapy. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about being a musician and having yeah. that be a part of my identity, um, I kind of, I wanted to kind of bridge those two things. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of had that um, innate desire to care for other people, to want to help them um, in any way that I could. And so I was really attracted to that profession, which I, I didn't end up working in for a while. I, I did for a couple of years on a part-time basis. And then once we started Maloof um, companies, it just kind of fell to the wayside. But it's interesting that I did choose that profession in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious about the conversation that probably took place, I had to take place, between you and Sam, where you said, let's start a company. I wish it had been like that. Okay. Not <laughs> that simple. No. no, it wasn't. But I, so I had graduated in music therapy, mm-hmm. um, but we were living in Logan and I had stayed in Logan because Sam was still in school. And otherwise I probably would have moved somewhere where and gotten a job in music therapy. But I, there aren't a lot of jobs for music therapists in Logan. So I, small town. So I was working at a buffet restaurant mm-hmm. and was like working as a server there. I just didn't love my job. And, it, and Sam was entrepreneurial minded. I, he definitely more so than I in the beginning. And we were just trying to figure out a way to replace the income that I was making at the buffet restaurant with something so that I didn't have to have to do that anymore and could have a job that I enjoyed more. We were out shopping for bedding for our new apartment that we were putting together. And Sam was sleeping on some sheets that he'd got at a garage sale in Mexico. And so we were like, hey, I think it's time to upgrade our sheets. We went out shopping for bedding and realized how expensive they were, like hundreds of dollars, you know, for a set of sheets that that was nice. And just kind of saw a market gap there and just started talking about it more like, why is it so expensive? That doesn't make any sense. And then we're able to buy some sheets from different wholesalers and start selling them and in different ways. And 
everything just kind of grew from there. But, you know, in the beginning, it wasn't like, hey, let's start this big Mm -hmm. company that's going to employ hundreds of people, you know, but it was more just like, how can we make $1,500 a month? So that was the goal. That was the goal. It was very lofty. (laughs) I can relate to that. (laughs) I often talk about the fact that uh, I was an assistant minister at a church right out of seminary, no money, no income. And the, the pastor of the church insisted that we have weekly staff meetings. And I had no money to pay for my coffee on Saturday. And except my wife had a $5 wrapped very small in a charm bracelet. <laughs> and we took that out. And I often think of those days of when you know, my goals were to have enough to have the staff meeting. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah it's, it's interesting how things change. So how did it evolve with the Maloof Foundation? Why did, the, the issue of child protection and also uh, human trafficking Uh, How did that connect with you? Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, I mentioned earlier just in the beginning, it was like we were having people in the community come to us and ask us if we had bedding that we could donate to the Mm -hmm. women's shelter, to the dog shelter, like whatever. And and we we started doing that. And through that experience, we started like actually talking to people in the community. And I mean, in the area that we live, it's considered a very safe community. It's smaller, small town feel, college town, like... We just had never even considered the fact that there was abuse and neglect and things like that going on right around us and that we would have been so just focused on ourselves and our own lives that we just had totally missed it. We didn't even know. And so through the experience of kind of giving away our product, we started learning from survivors and people who had been through, you know, really, really difficult things. And then we just thought like, okay, if we didn't know this was happening, I'm, I don't think most people know or not that they don't care, but they're just oblivious to it, right? And so we felt like we wanted to raise the awareness about that within the community. And so that's that's kind of how it started. Now, specifically why we decided child sexual exploitation or sexual exploitation just in general. I don't know. It really just resonated with us. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I had a very safe childhood. I don't I do know a few people who were sexually abused. I didn't know it at the time, but later I've found out through the experiences that I've had. But, you know, sometimes Sam and I will be like, man, we don't have like a a good story to tell about, you know, the starting of our foundation. But over the years, I've realized that I think the best, the best takeaway and the best thing is just that we saw a need and we saw something that we thought was an evil and something that people should be aware of is happening in their communities and happening around them. And we could, and so we decided to try to do something about it. Um, And I think that's kind of the message for everyone. Like a lot of times, you know, people will start foundations or causes that because it has a personal connection to them. But at the end of the day, you don't have to necessarily have been sexually abused or know somebody who had an experience um, with sexual violence to care about the issue and really want to create change. So hopefully that's the, the takeaway and the inspiration from what we've done is just, you don't have to be a survivor to care, you know? Well, I think you illustrate one of the really important pieces we've learned out of the Legacy Project is what it means to be a witness, mm. where you've seen it, you've heard it, you know it exists, and you then choose to do something about it. Right. Um, you don't have to have experienced that uh, personally. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that uh, you, uh, you engage. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, there are certain things where I feel like my brain can only <laughs> handle so much. There are certain 
awful things that I hear and I have to like shut it out and be like I just can't think about mm -hmm. that it's too it's too hard right and so I think that's what happens a lot with this with this topic especially and we can't take on every problem in the world and feel that heavy weight all the time but this is one of the problems that um, we've decided to confront and talk about and let it be a part of our our lives and something that is sad but also you know there's hopeful and good moments throughout the work that we do too so yeah i mean i i totally get why people don't want to talk about it yeah yeah so so how many children do you have is we have five children you have five children yep yeah boys girls we have um two boys and three girls oh. our oldest boy is 17 then we have a 15 year old girl a 13 year old boy and we have twins that are 10 so twins and they're girls wow. yeah so yeah lots of kids yeah so what's the legacy you want to leave for them? When they think back on you and what you've contributed to your children, what is the legacy? You know, I've been thinking about that a lot just because my um, oldest son is 17 and he's going to be graduating next year. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about, God, I wonder what he's going to remember. I wonder what he's going to take away um, from our family and from our family culture. Um, and then also just thinking in the future where it's like I'm kind of getting a little older than I'd like to admit <laughs> and just thinking about where I want to go with that. But I think... At the end of the day, I want my kids to know that I, I want to leave a legacy of like love where they just know that there was like unconditional love always. Even mm -hmm. I mean, even just yesterday, my son did something that his car got booted and he decided to try to kick the boot off the car. And there was a whole thing with the school, you know, and I'm like, I called Sam and I was like, I'm going to kill this kid. And he's like, no, we have to love him. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, I'm going to try. So then, you know, I tried to have empathy for his situation. And I don't know like, Sam that well, but I would think <laughs> it would be Sam. This is I'm going to kill him. <laughs> he said it, too. But then we were like, you know what? We made him pay the $200 fee with his own money, mm -hmm. you know, and hard-earned money that, you know, he works at a restaurant like I did, so I know how fun that work is. Um, and I tried to have empathy for him and be like, I'm sorry that happened, and I hope, you know, you make a better decision, mm -hmm. you know, in the long term. But I think the biggest thing wanting to leave as far as legacy is just that my kids knew that I loved them no matter, mm -hmm. no matter what, um, no matter what they did or what the behavior was. And then I think just a legacy of, I don't know, something that's really important to me and I just, I, I tried to, I grew up in a really humble way and I've always tried to maintain that throughout um, the business experiences that we've had and just how things have taken on a life that I couldn't have imagined. But I, I really want my kids to know that like at the end of the day, I did not care about any of that or any accolade or any, oh, like, you know, just you and your husband created this amazing business or whatever it is. Like I just... And I can say that with every confidence that like, I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. I care about who I am as a person. I know who I am. I know what I care about. And nothing anyone else can say is gonna, you know, remove that from me. And so I hope my kids know that like, that, that my highest priority was what I'm bringing into the world and how I'm leaving the world. Not from a charitable standpoint, not that, yeah. I was successful in business or that mm -hmm. we, you know, got to do interesting things. Have your kids indicated to you or shared with you what they want to do with their lives? Um, well, my older son, the, the tire kicker, the <laughs> <laughs> he's really, really entrepreneurial minded. He's mm -hmm. um, actually even like importing some products and selling them mm -hmm. um, around in small, small quantities. He's trying to flip cars he's got all these big ideas of things yeah. he wants to do so i think he'll probably do some kind of entrepreneurial thing mm -hmm. i don't think he's as interested in our business because it's not 
it's more established, you know, which I love for him. So um, he wants to do that. My daughter um, is really cares about people. She wants to work for a nonprofit. I don't know if she'll want to work for our nonprofit or whatever, right. but she has aspirations of doing that. My kids just, I, I want, what I want for my kids and what I tell them is like, I want you to do what makes you happy, whether mm -hmm. that's being a teacher and a football coach or an entrepreneur or whatever. I want you to be happy because that's, that's the most important part. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I can't imagine you living in Utah and not being familiar with this book, but you may or may not have uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yes. Uh, the second habit is living with the end in mind. And he takes you through this exercise uh, of attending your own funeral and what people would say about you attending your own funeral. That's sort of today. And then he has you imagine what the funeral would be like if you had a chance 10 years from now to influence what it is that people mm. would say. What would you like people to say about you? That's a good question. <laughs> I think that I would, I would want people to say that I cared about others more than I cared about myself. Mm -hmm. um, that I was always looking for opportunities to leave the world better than I found it. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether or not people will actually say that because I think, <laughs> I don't know. Well, it kind of goes back to just that I've, I don't know why, but I just, oh, I've never felt, you know, like I had anything super special to offer the world. And so I think it kind of goes back to that, just the humble nature of my personality where I'm like, I just wish people wouldn't say anything at all about me and say, you know, my yeah. funeral, that we could just like, <laughs> just avoid it all together. But, um, I mean, I think for me that, that, and that I, and that I love my kids and family, that they were the most mm -hmm. important thing to me. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, and there's an old poem written years ago, how odd of God to have chosen the Jews, how odd of God to have chosen David, how odd of God to have chosen some of the people in history to do some amazing things. Yeah. And, um, uh, I think at the end of the day, just in my limited exposure to, uh, your impact on human trafficking and child protection is going to be huge. Oh, and it already is. And yeah. so it's surfacing. So that's going to be. Yeah, that's so nice of you to say. I, I really do appreciate that. It's hard. You know, day to day, it's hard because there's hard things that happen every day. There's yeah. exciting things, but there's also mm -hmm. setbacks and things, yeah. even in, especially in the nonprofit world. But I think um, Sam and I and our foundation team, we've, we do have a vision of mm -hmm. some big things that we want to do. And, um, and I, I really believe we're going to get there in the next yeah, 10, 20 too. years. I don't know how long it'll take, but we yeah. have big ideas of, of big, big systematic change. So yeah, yeah I do that's too. our hope. So we're talking to Casey Maloof with the Maloof Foundation and Maloof Company. One more question, I think. <laughs> One of my, I, I admit I love romantic comedies. I love those kind of movies. And one of my favorite movies is the movie Leap Year. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't that. think I've seen that one. Yeah, it's, it's based upon a, uh, Amy Adams is the uh, main star in it. And she goes to Ireland and uh, she meets somebody and proposes on Leap Year. But one of the questions in the discussion that takes place and some decisions that she has to make was that uh, her counterpart in this uh, drama or this comedy, he asked her, he says, if you were in your house and you house caught on fire and you only had one thing to grab, take away people, take away pets, but you had one thing to grab, what would you grab? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, one thing. I've thought about that before because we, we live like at the mouth of a canyon and 
one year we had a really bad fire that got like kind of close to our house and we were sitting in the yard watching it and we're like well what are we gonna take so um but that was like 50 things (laughs) (laughs) the most important probably like i don't know i mean my i honestly think what i would take is my kids have like these boxes of things that that they brought home from school or sweet Mm -hmm. notes or things that pictures and things that we've compiled over the course of their childhood and so there's five big boxes and I I think I would probably grab those that's the first thing that's coming to mind is like just saving those memories I mean all the photos are digital now so I feel like that's kind of safe it's all in the cloud so I'm good but like those sweet little notes of like I love you because of this and all that kind of stuff like I think I would want to save that yeah so and my dogs, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time. You've had uh, an interesting journey. And, uh, and I think humility is a big part of who you are, what you've inherited. And I think it's probably something you're going to transmit to your kids and to others that see and watch who you are. Well, so. I hope so. And thank you so much for talking to me and letting me share a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad to do it. To find out more information about this conversation and other Legacy Podcast episodes, go to ServantForge.org. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and consider leaving us a review. We want to hear from you. This podcast episode was produced by Matt Erickson. The music is by David Hyde. Please look for a new episode of our podcast coming out soon. Remember, you have inherited a great legacy you have an opportunity to create a great legacy. Engage your past to build a future.